Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the Raw Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AEW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet to look ahead to Monday Night Raw tonight. And I suppose, Hamlet, we should probably come clean straight away. Monday in the UK is a bank holiday. What day are we recording this on? Why, today, Wilborn, it's Monday. I mean, i got to be honest, I don't really want to watch Monday Night Raw tonight. I'm still buzzed from Vinny Vegas being the Joker in the Casino Royale Battle Royale. <laughs> I didn't imagine that the debut of Daniel Bryan would be in the Jacksonville Jaguar outfit and stayed in Stampede 2. <laughs> big, big, big get for AEW. Strange, but let's let it play out and see where it goes. Uh, yeah, like, I'm um, kind of exhausted, but this is what we do for the good of the content. We get up early, we watch the wrestling, we get a bit more sleep, we come back, we preview some more. Wrestling. No, it's not as much as I wish both those things were going to happen at Double or Nothing. It is uh, Thursday, our earliest ever Raw preview. We have previously, and we feel a little bit like we're cheating our beloved listeners. Mm. We love everybody that listens to this podcast. And I always feel like we're cheating our listeners when we have to do a, for admin reasons or whatever, like a pay-per-view preview before SmackDown. Mm. Because what if something gets added? Or what if um, somebody gets injured, God forbid, or anything like that, you know, like the, a last minute comeback on SmackDown that changes the complexion of the, the whole show, even an angle on a smart, like a go home angle. Where mm. we're like, well, this is going to affect, you know, what you're going to think of the pay per view. And I always think, oh, it's a bit annoying how scheduling works. And sometimes we have to do this. I don't, for one second, think we are cheating anybody that listens to this podcast in preview and raw five days before the <laughs> show happens. A, right, because we've got more to preview from this card than some Monday afternoon at three in the afternoon previews we've done for this show in the past. And B, Vince McMahon tears the show up 10 minutes before it goes on air. (laughs) So when have we ever had a chance of actually getting this one right? I'm going to propose that we make this like a Tuesday afternoon tradition. (laughs) Let's Let's preview Raw when we've got six days to go, right? So we do the review in the morning. We do the preview for next week in the afternoon. And then we'd have to think about Raw for an entire week. Oh. That's it. 
It's like doing your homework the first night when you're at school, rather than leaving it to last thing on a Sunday when heartbeat's on. Like, just get it done, get out of the way, and then it's off your mind. You don't have to think about it. It's not hanging over you like that last piece of work. And for anyone who's thinking this is a bit of a piss take, I'm fairly certain, because there's two bank holidays in May, I'm fairly certain we did this at the start of the month, right? And... I was thinking, oh, I wonder what they're going to do. Are they going to add some add some last-minute matches? Nothing changed. Our preview was no. exactly spot on. Like, we know two things are going to happen on Raw as of mm. recording. That is Drew McIntyre versus Kofi Kingston with a winner facing Bobby Lashley at Hell in a Cell and Shayna Baszler murdering Reginald, hopefully. Aside from that, I, I reckon exactly as you said, if we record it now or record it on Monday, nothing will be added. Nothing will change. It's just me speculating on some bollocks that happened on Raw this week for next week. Could you imagine if this situation had have occurred like just after WrestleMania in those two weeks, rather than previewing what's going to happen between the Viking Raiders, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, we could have just edited in the bit of the review from the first match. <laughs> They're like, so what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think they're going to get some early offence and then ultimately squash them. And you're going to be questioning the future of Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. And then you accidentally leave a bit of the five-star review view, England. Well, now <laughs> it's time for this. Anyway, tonight, uh, Randy Orton expects to go one-on-one with Matt Riddle. Yeah, like, it's it's a benefit to us in a rare situation like this. Of course, we are, and, you know, it may not sound like it on the podcast a lot of the time, we are professionals that like to leave this as late as we can realistically justify within the working day to do our previews for the shows the next day. Um, as well, Bourne has sort of explained, there's a bank holiday in the UK. This has also played havoc with our AEW planning. Thank you very much for switching to Sundays at one of the worst times that you possibly could. Bring back the Saturday shows. Oh. Um, it's just, it's all come a bit of a wrong time, this one. This was substantially easier last year when bank holidays effectively didn't exist because the pandemic had ruined everything and anything. Like, it was sort of the whole idea was, ooh, free day, what are you going to do? Nothing, like every other day. Like, <laughs> It was a lot easier to navigate the admin of a bank holiday when you literally couldn't leave your house. <laughs> yeah, this is preposterous, though. We are previewing Monday Night Raw before we preview <laughs> and review SmackDown, AW Dynamite, and a pay-per-view. But there we go. That's yes. where we are. Yeah, and like, bear in mind that this sort of occurrence might one day happen again in an era where there's also AW Rampage. Entire weekend's coverage blown aside because, God damn it, guys, what is Randy Orton going to do? Although, considering what happened on Raw this week, I probably should just say, so, uh, Hanfler, had just been announced this Monday afternoon, it's going to be Charlotte Flair versus Asuka again. What do you reckon is going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking uh, 20 minutes, double pin. They're both trapped in the same sleeper reversal crucifix and Rhea Ripley fights neither of them at Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Rhea Ripley fights the clock because she doesn't understand it. <laughs> Rhea Ripley is backstage seen going nah, 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 into a mirror and then believes that to be an opponent and just punches it and fights that at Hell in a Cell because this character is thick now. What, let's, let's start actually by talking about that. What is going on with Rhea Ripley? I realise we sort of went into WrestleMania going, oh, is she, she not, is she babyface? Is she a heel? And I still... I did the write-up for our raw review for the for the news post on our site, and I was still like, I don't really know. <laughs> like, she's not a babyface, clearly, you know, your your archetypal babyface, certainly. But she's going up against Charlotte Flair, who is definitely, even by WWE standards, Charlotte is definitely a heel. Mm-hmm. And then, like, what the hell was that with the bloody beat the clock challenge? She 
she sort of got tricked into it or sort of said, oh, no, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll have a fight. Oh, you're, you're nasty. You always talk down to people. I'll kick Nicky Cross's head in, though, in two minutes if, if I want to. And then she went out. They big clock on the, on the, on the Tron. Two minutes. She started. She was, she was literally, she was the one tapping a, a fake watch going, oh, you know, run out of time. <laughs> Nicky Cross got one bit of offense in and she went, how dare you? Right, we're having a fight here. What? The time's run out. Oh, I forgot. She's been booked so badly. Like, I know she was in a bit, lost her way a bit in NXT after she dropped the title to, to Charlotte uh, after Mania last year. But this feels like the lowest part, point of her career. And once again, through no fault of her own. Like, she had that great showing at the Royal Rumble. Granted, she didn't win it. But then she just disappeared. And they brought her in with like three weeks to spare and went, there you go. She's facing Asuka. Charlotte's, you know, it's all been about Charlotte, but she's not involved anymore. But here's Rhea Ripley. And they'll go sort of 10, 15 minutes. And it, no one will really care because they don't know what the dynamic is of this match. And you think, okay, well, once they've put the title on, they'll change that round. And they just haven't. Christ, like feuding with the Robert Stone brand in an empty full sale, it's starting to feel like Halcyon days, isn't it? <laughs> like, oh, can't we just can't we just go back to people being sick in the ring? <laughs> like, I, bring it back. Um, yeah, Rhea Ripley at the moment. Let's try and judge her in the context of this feud rather than anything else because we can't. We're given no context clues as to how to figure out who she is. Charlotte Flair is the like self-appointed locker room leader that nobody wants, basically. Yeah. So Rhea Ripley, by becoming WWE champion, with kind of a groundswell of support at one point, but nobody can really remember now why there was a groundswell of support in the first place. She has that position almost by default, and now the locker room want her to have that even less than the locker room leader they didn't like. It's a bit mm. like, I mean, I, I can't really think of an analogy for this because Boris Johnson replaced Theresa May as Prime Minister. <laughs> and, you know, we were obviously both really satisfied with all of those as a nation. Uh -huh. Um yeah, Anthony Agogo isn't representing a perfect state. Um, or should I say it didn't represent a perfect state when he knocked Cody clean out last night on the pay-per-view. Um, <laughs> it's just such a terrible balance of characters. It's a terrible use of Rhea Ripley. And as you say, because I feel like we have to carry this every week, um, there are times to hold them responsible. Is that the phrase? There are times to accept that a bad gimmick or a bad run is the result of a collaboration between bad writing and a wrestler that is kind of acceptant of their lot. It feels like Rhea Ripley is performing this role at gunpoint. Hmm. Like she's sent out there every week to do a not great job of delivering rancid dialogue. Um, her motivations are impossible to discern. One week she's there to defend Asuka. The rest of the time she's there to laugh off a challenge. It's unclear if she's really... Like, is she afraid of Asuka? And that's why she wants Charlotte, but then she doesn't really want Charlotte because she was kind of trying to screw her out of getting another shot in the first place. Yeah, it, like, you are back to that. And, like, this comes up all the time with WWE writing now. They, like, the, the, remember, like, me and Cedric would, like, glow about Chris Kresge's storyboard where he would have his clearly defined beginning and his clearly defined end mm. and all the bits in between that begin and that end. Like the storyboard now has an arse on one end, an elbow on the other, and then Charlie's red like rope and drawings from It's Always <laughs> Sunny in Philadelphia in between said arse and elbow as one can't find the other. That's what we see backstage at Raw now before Vince walks in and kicks it over and says, we're doing something else instead. Um, Hell in a Cell 
and I said this before uh, WrestleMania Backlash, and I was happy to be proven wrong. Hell in a Cell will need to be a good match in spite of the booking, because I think the WrestleMania Backlash Triple Threat really like stood out as a reminder of what these can actually do, because the booking helps you forget, like literally every week. Every single week, mm. you forget the great wrestlers that these women are. We um, we had no choice but to skip Charlotte Flair and Asuka's 20 friggin' minute rematch with a stupid finish that 50-50 booked the number one contender spot. Like, you have no choice. You've got to watch it, obviously. But what can you possibly say about any of that anymore? Like, good wrestling on weekly television cannot say what else to do on weekly television. The pay-per-views are their only hopes. In a similar situation as well, it's, it's Drew McIntyre. You know, I also feel awful for, for Rhea Ripley because she's, I mean, not to patronise her, she's 20 bloody four. So she's going to obviously think, well, whatever they're telling me to do, I should do. She's, you know, she's mm-hmm. been in the industry long enough, obviously. I think she debuted in like 2013 or something. I was just reading on her Wikipedia. But even so, like, to come into a company like that and then be promoted to the, you know, formerly was the flagship show, you can't suddenly be throwing your weight around, especially when you're working with people like Charlotte and Asuka. So she just has to do what she's told. But they, she must know that it's just atrocious the way that they're booking her. Anyway, talking of Drew McIntyre, he will face Kofi Kingston tonight, the winner of that facing Bobby Lashley at Hell in a Cell. We assume, obviously, it's going to be Drew. But again, I've seen, I see tweets and they're getting louder and louder and more and more regular each week of people being like, God, I'm fed up of Drew in the title picture. And it just feels like, you know, I, I I like Bobby Lashley still as champion, but it's inexplicable to not put the title back on Drew at WrestleMania in front of fans. And then if you're not going to do that, to then just have him continuously circle the world championship again. We're going to hoi Braun in there for a bit. And now Kofi's there and that and Kofi's beloved. So he comes like across like a bit of a knobhead, Drew, doesn't he? With like, oh, I'll just kick your head in. And yes, I enjoyed them their match last Monday, but they went twenty minutes and then they got jumped. So it made no no difference to me, and I I couldn't enjoy it as a match looking back because I knew it was going to a no contest. Yeah, um, Drew is no not for the first time a victim of um, their inability to tell more than about three stories at once, and typically like. Two of those three stories revolve around titles. They might have it in the tank to tell one more story. I guess we'll get to that later on off the back of like last week's Raw's best match by a mile. That's probably the only other story going on of any significance that doesn't revolve around a title, ultimately. Mm. Um, so Drew without... And this is the thing to be scared of if you're Drew McIntyre or you're a massive fan of Drew McIntyre, is that if he doesn't beat Bobby Lashley and he is rotated out of the title picture because, as you've astutely pointed out, his constant whining about needing to be in the title picture is starting to feel like that, just mm. like that. It's starting to feel like the like the fans at large are perceiving Drew as a whiner and a complainer rather than the guy that even when he didn't have the title was just getting things done. Mm. You know, yeah. I think he's a I think he's a made man. Genuinely, I think he's a guy that can easily find his way back to the top of the card. So in that sense, WWE deserves some credit for getting somebody over in the pandemic that sort of is a believable top liner. But I have so little faith that they can tell stories outside of, like for Drew, outside of this belt at the moment, that look, as much as I enjoyed the matches earlier this year, I could well see them going to Drew versus Sheamus next because Sheamus also has a belt. You know, you just, you can't, 
visualise Drew getting distracted in a in another story because they don't seem to have it in them to tell one for him or for anybody for that matter, really, but especially for him. Ever since he's been in that title picture, he's just been in that title picture and it's like unhealthy for a character to be so glued to something if A, he's not the champion and B, he's lost cleanly in his attempts to win those back. Like those are the kind of the two things. If he's got the belt, fine, you be the champion, you go on as many like title defences as you can, have a run, all that sort of thing. If you've lost it and you want to try and win it back, fine. Like you get about one go at that before people have a right to be losing faith in you as a character and faith in you as a baby face. And it's happening here. As you say, Kofi Kingston's relatively beloved. The thing about that 20-minute match as well, not just that we didn't get a finish, but like Kofi's gone 20 minutes with Drew McIntyre. So if anything, now Drew McIntyre's accidentally stumbled into somebody that's his equal. Yeah. So if and when he beats Kofi on tonight's Raw and gets his shot at Hell in a Cell, it's going to be like, well, took you two attempts to beat a guy. And to be honest, we think that guy's completely on your level or maybe better. So now you've even now you've got the shot. We don't even want you to have it. That's the risk they've run with bad storytelling. I, I think Drew's going to win. I think he's going to get to Hell in a Cell. I think he might even get the belt back at Hell in a yeah. Cell. I think they might do a... The, the MVP might try to get into his head and say, look, everything was going brilliantly for you last year until you went to Hell in a Cell with Randy Orton and you lost. So what makes you think you got a chance against Bobby Lashley? And it's kind of like a last chance saloon for him and he gets it done. And so it maybe won't be a concern of what you do with Drew McIntyre after all of this. But they have pushed it as close as they possibly can to like ruining him outright mm-hmm. as as like as the made man they've basically made him over the last year they've come they've like flown dangerously close to the sun with him yeah I, 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 you tell me Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre at Hell in a Cell in Hell in a Cell and I'm up for it I want to see it mm. but my god they've yeah they've really balls this one up I think he wins as well but always whenever they say, you two, you're banned from ringside and 90 day suspension, fine, et cetera, et cetera. Any involvement, like Cedric maybe being like involved in it or 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 no? Do you think it's just going to be, ah, we've done that just so people know it's going to be a clean finish sort of thing? Well, that's interesting because that wasn't my sort of train of thought on that. But yeah, like the idea that he's, looking perhaps to build on his victory in the feud over Shelton Benjamin. They've gone 50-50. But Mm -hmm. like, he kind of like, his win took longer. So that makes him better. What? Like, uh, (laughs) that's that's the logic, apparently. Um, Possibly, I guess. I was thinking, and maybe this will provide us with a nice segue, that, uh, and again, this doesn't really help anyone, but Randy Orton wants to show Riddle how to do a proper RKO. And you get the teased tag between the New Day and RK Bro for the pay per view as a spin off based on how great that singles match was last week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Let's talk about uh, Riddle and, and Xavier Woods and, and obviously everyone else who's associated with that because it was without doubt the highlight of Monday Night Raw and I've seen a lot of people talking about it and getting very excited, not just about Riddle, but obviously about Xavier Woods as well. Who, my God, give him a singles title. He's so good. Mm. Um but yeah, do you think this is an ongoing storyline? Because it was still, he was still happy-go-lucky Riddle, and he was smiling and dedicating it to Randy down the, the camera after he won. But yeah, has has Randy Orton changed Riddle somewhat? I'm I'm fully into this story, by the way. This is one of the main reasons I actually am all right occasionally with tuning in on a Monday night, aside from it being my job, you know. Well, what I think is quite interesting here, as like a fight to stop the words coming out of my mouth. Um, is that they've like actually applied a bit of nuance here. Mm-hmm. So Randy Orton is a, like Randy Orton, generically speaking, is a bad man. Uh, literally when he speaks is a bad man because they were all having fun. And he was like, you know what I'd like to do is kick people in the head and break bones. And it's all right. <laughs> so, having a pint. Um, so like, this, yeah, this is like the Randy Orton we know. Oh, good. Combo's out of prison. Um, yeah, this is like the Randy Orton we all know. Um, but Riddle has done like the most riddle baby face way of saying, oh, I missed you this week. Like he's hit an RKO as if like he's some sort of like excitable puppy just wanting validation. He's not done it in this like really cruel cynical way. Like, oh, maybe I like to break bones too. He's just done it in the way where, like, I'll try this. And then it works. And he's like, well, I'd see that. Dad, dad, <laughs> you watching? Dad, 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 are you watching? Hi, kids, kids like five more minutes, eh? Like it's Tuesday morning, I'll <laughs> start to watch three hour on. Dad, Dad, will you watch my Mario Kart? Will you watch my Mario Kart? Please, just honestly, they're doing freaking Cedric and Shelton again. <laughs> like, that's that was the sort of psychology behind Riddle going for the RKO. It wasn't rooted in cruelty. He just realised, oh, have I got a new friend that I can impress, I can borrow from and impress as a way to win this difficult match? So I really like that. Um, Randy Orton is not the type of dad, dad, dad that is going to come on and be like, great work, son. He's going to be like, yeah, I saw that. 
that was pretty good, but you're going to have to show me what else you got. He's going to gonna tacitly ask for more loyalty. And mm. that might be what drags Riddle down the sort of the darker path towards being, I was going to call him the apex predator. That seems too appropriate. Let's go with the Viper. Mm. Um, like becoming more and more like the Viper until we're in the, like the days of the matching gear. And, you know, I don't know, either Orton convinces him to wear boots or bro says, here, I bought you some little fight shorts just like mine or something oh. like that. You know, like there's some little gear gag between the pair of them um, to finally solidify RK Bro as being proper, proper on the same page. For me, that comes against the New Day at uh, Hell in a Cell and they beat them. Yeah. Like they beat them. So there, like, there is that full validation because the turn has to happen in front of the crowd. Like you, you ramp up this idea of this, like, what's that gif? It's not Scooby and Scrappy-Doo, but it's something just like that. It's um, it's Bart. No, it's Nelson and Martin from The Simpsons, where Martin has got like Nelson protecting him. So he's dancing around like Nelson with like flicking out flowers and stuff like this. He couldn't be happier that this is his new like sort of friendship. Like I want Riddle to be in Randy Orton. Like full that before Orton just reveals that I should take you for a ride. You fucking idiot, mm. pothead fool. Like I, just, I want to see something like that. Like in front of fans, in front of a crowd. How puppy dog. Can they make Riddle before Orton boots his head clean off? Um, and then, you know, interestingly, let's judge how well this has gone because you can only go if you got enough Twitter and it feels like yeah. it's going really well, doesn't it? Feels like it's going really well. So let's see if fans can bear that out as well. Yeah, and I suppose it's not just about Randy Orton changing Riddle and, you know, him, him you know, getting meaner and punting people's heads off. It's also the story of Orton warming to riddle isn't it as yeah well. that's the, that's the it is that's both the yeah. side of it all and yeah it's the it's trying to get your like grumpiest mate to crack a smile and it's coming isn't it with with orton the model for it albeit these are obviously i don't want to be harsh bigger stars and better wrestlers but they don't need to stray too far away from the drake maverick killian dane formula from nxt Mm. without obviously quite as much of the physicality how they came together like apart from a couple of times where he didn't just beat the hell out of Drake Maverick most of that felt quite organic they took just the right amount of time and obviously at this point now there's no thirst for them splitting up I think that's going to be different here I think especially with SummerSlam on the corner like people are really going to want that as a SummerSlam match if they yeah. get if they get to the split before then so that that feels like the timeline um, unless of course the team gets way more over than people are expecting and then you stretch it, you know, like give them a run. If, if it's just working and you feel like you can gamble on that split, give them a little bit longer. But yeah, that like that dynamic of them both. You got Randy Orton over here. He's the arse in this example. Riddler's the elbow over here. And they're both moving ever so like, slightly close to, I don't know what that would be, the sternum maybe on that whiteboard. <laughs> like, just have them both move a little bit close to each other before you split them back apart again. I think it's also another indictment of Monday Night Raw that as you were talking then about giving them a bit of a run. I was thinking... The bloody hell are the tag champs on Raw? And then I was like, oh, yeah, AJ Styles. you got <laughs> Jackson Riker. I owe Big Jordan murders both of those goobers. If you try and suggest to me that Riker and Elias are contenders for the tag titles, piss off is all I'll say. So that we're not even going to talk mm. about that much. But that was infuriating last week as well. Yeah, it wasn't. We talked about this in the review. That great shot wasn't worth what they did to achieve it. No. Um, 
so you would hope that the, the end result of this is a squash. I have a sneaking suspicion, you know, it's not particularly related to this week's Raw. I have a sneaking suspicion that Jackson Riker is going to end up in money in the bank and scare everybody into thinking he might win. His best ever night in this company was as the muscle man for the Forgotten Sons in the NXT TakeOver 25 ladder match. And uh, point two, look at him. So I have a feeling that he's going to be like the outside bet that panics everybody the second he climbs the ladder at Money in the Bank. I don't know why. I, just, I, I look at him and I think Vince looks at him too. Yeah, you, you might be right there. Anytime we talk about money in the bank, I go like, could be anyone who wins it. Could be Shinsuke, could be uh, Alistair Black. And as I go through, I go, Smackdown, Smackdown, oh, Smackdown, Smackdown. Oh, I've not missed any Raw people off. So I don't know who I'd, I mean, Riddle and Orton, you could just haul it in there. I don't know how many they do, six, eight, who knows, but. Almost, no ladder required. He reaches yeah. up, pulls it down. It, or, Raw's already getting, well, actually, I was going to say Raw. She's on both shows. I was going to say, Raw generally is getting one winner because Sonya Deville's winning the women's one because that needs to, needs to happen. But keep talking, we'll will it into, exi- into existence. Although I thought that was going to happen with the Million Dollar Championship last week and that didn't happen. So anyway, uh, anyway, I'm loath to, to to get excited about this next because uh, as you said, we're, we're recording this in advance. And considering the length of time Adnan Burke was on commentary, Jimmy Smith might already be gone <laughs> before even Raw happened. But uh, yes, at time of recording, at least... Uh, Former MMA announcer, analyst, uh, and a guy you may have seen on the uh, prime target for Balacross 2, Jimmy Smith uh, of UFC and of Bellator, uh, looks set to replace Adnan Burke on Raw. Big story last week, that, of course, of, of Burke. Still not sure whether it was like a mutual decision um, or Raw. WWE just, just sort of reacting to, to what had been a fairly obvious fan backlash to, to Burke. Uh, but it will be Jimmy Smith rather than, you know, Tom Phillips, who I still kind of feel really sorry for. I think, mm. you know, it's a it's a very, very tough job. And that's going to lead me to this question of, can Jimmy Smith save raw commentary? Or is this, you know, just moving deck chairs around on the Titanic, as I often say, in terms of Jimmy Smith, even if he was the greatest commentator of all time. And I do like his style whenever I've heard him you know, Prime Target is a great example, but whenever I've heard him doing an analysis and stuff for, for UFC in particular, I like I like the cut of his jib. And uh, as much as I do enjoy all that, we watched it with Burke. Like, first week with Burke, we were like, oh, this is nice. He's, you know, seems a bit, you know, wet behind the ears, but he, he's, he's, he's clearly having a good time doing it. And you and I sat here and said, week two, week three, week four, you could literally see his face slowly sinking as Vince McMahon's voice in his ears gets a bit louder. So can Jimmy Smith do anything for the the whole commentary scene, particularly on Monday Night Raw for you? No, of course he can't. Um, you know, you're half right. It's office chairs on the deck of the Titanic, isn't it? Yes. Because that's what they're given to sit on. Um, no, he can't. And nobody can. Absolutely nobody. It's not even just a Raw problem. It's a WWE problem. I don't like even really like the NXT commentary. Um Michael Cole is so goddamn ingrained in my psyche that I find him just about tolerable on SmackDown, but that's about it. You know, Pat McAfee's enthusiasm has been notably uh, tweaked to sound a bit more like WWE enthusiasm versus his own. So I don't even think he's long for the world. Um, On Pat McAfee and on Jimmy Smith and on Adnan Verk, this feels like a company policy too, which is another, just another like sort of reason why nothing will change anything in this role. Um, I go back to, like, Renee Young replacing Jonathan Coachman was the greatest swap deal since Sunderland swapped Josie Altidore for Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> and, like, and that failed. 
you know, Renee Young was less liked by the fan base at large in that chair. Mainly because, to be fair, mainly because they were like, what's Dean Ambrose doing? What's he like when he's yeah. at home? Uh, Corey Graves just screaming at her about like, you know, what her husband does when they're cooking in the kitchen. And like, she's forced to go on Twitter and be like, oh, it's okay, we're friends. And it's like, well, it's okay, Renee. It just it doesn't sound like it, mate. Like, the, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What, I, I do. I was going to say, I don't know what she maybe thought was coming across, but I think she did. Like, I think we've seen since then, immediately when she was thrust back into a hosting role on backstage, or indeed everything she's done since she's left WWE. She's brilliant at everything. What wasn't she brilliant at? Getting bollocked by Vincent Mann for three hours, or only be permitted to say, oh, as a way to react because nobody else lets her get her words in. Like, it's three men desks are bad. Vincent Mann being the voice of all three commentators is bad. Yeah. I don't think I'm like I'm delivering any hot takes here. Uh, Jimmy Smith, can't save Raw, probably will last longer than Adam Verk, but like, will we respect him less as a result? Because I don't care if it was a mutual decision or not. Adam Verk's won one, getting the hell out of there. I went and had a look at Adam Verk's Twitter page after he got released. And I, I don't know if you saw, like, made a little gag of that picture he took with Scotty Too Hot as a zombie. But, like, that picture could go side by side with literally every single other picture on Adam Burke's Twitter because it's all, here's me in a really professional sporting capacity. Here's me really highly regarded in another trade. And then it's just like, here's me with a zombie four weeks into a new job. What the hell have I done? I've got kids. Like, just, like, I'm happy for him that he's out. Mm. Um all the best to Jimmy Smith. All the best. We live in hope, but definitely on expectation. But yeah, best of <laughs> I, I will be listening far more intently than I usually do to raw commentary this week because, yeah, <laughs> he's damn good. They're going to have to try hard to mess up Jimmy Smith, but I believe it's when has the power, as always. <laughs> One final thing to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, look forward to. Uh, uh, spooky bollocks aside, to look forward to tonight on Monday Night Raw is an intergender match. One of many for Reginald since he's uh, transitioned into a major part of the main roster, apparently, in the tag <laughs> title scene. Main event last week saw... Oh, another rematch. Uh, Nia Jackson, and Shayna Baszler failed to regain the women's tag team titles from Natalia uh, and Tamina off the back of more... Spooky bollocks with Little Miss Bliss and uh, Lily. I can't even be asked to get the, the phone app out for that for us right now. Right. So Shane is furious with Reginald. One-on-one match. In an ideal world, and I've long since given up on this, she tortures him for like 10 minutes and then just beats him. Mm. What do you think she's going to do to him? And more importantly... Is she going to become possessed in her legs again, or whatever it was that that Lily did last time? Yeah, your phrasing in our prep notes for this podcast was exactly how you pitched it. There, what will Shayna Baszler do to Reginald? So I had to like think about my answer to that question and phrase it correctly as stand in the position where she can be rolled up for three. <laughs> she's going to be rolled up for three by Reginald. Um, I a bit of a good news, bad news prediction. This will one got to be honest, mate. I know, especially for you. Um, dread this, run from this, but it's a prediction that involves Shayna Baszler getting beat again. Um, yeah. I think she's going to lose. I think that this could mark the end of Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Funny how 
them not getting along for a year hasn't marked the end of Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. But here we are. But here we are. Um, I think this will mark the end of Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Shayna will torture Reginald, as you sort of rightly articulated, in a way that is going to be most satisfying. Um, but Nia is going to be forced to make a call, should we say, about who exactly, whose side exactly is she on. And she's going to choose love, because why would you not? Especially if you're in love with an ex Cirque du Soleil member. Can only imagine the things he is capable of doing, if you know what I mean. Um, she's going to choose love. She's going to choose Reginald, old Reggie. And Shane is going to get either distracted by Nia Jax um, or when Nia has revealed her allegiance to Reginald and it still isn't enough. And here's the bad news. Get distracted by Shayna Baszler's next opponent, which is going to be uh, a stuffed doll, isn't it? <laughs> Shayna's going to be getting rolled up by a doll. Um, yeah, the initial panic over um, Alexa Bliss and Lily feuding with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler has been replaced by Shayna Baszler losing handicap matches to Alexa Bliss and Lily. Um, I foresee this being the split of Baszler and Nia Jax, a victory for Reginald, and oh my God, what has Shayna been sucked into? As Jimmy Smith asks the same question of himself as Raw rolls on. Just, I'm just recapping, because like you said, time has no meaning in the last year or so. She broke Sarah Logan's arm. When is money? When is money in the bank? That was when she had a coming together with Nia Jax, of course. Then she beat Natalia, beat Natalia, disappeared for two months, came back and attacked Akira Tozawa's ninjas. <laughs> ninjas, man. Forgot about that. Always forgetting about the ninjas. That's my problem. Yes, the, the phrase uneasy alliance appears a lot on this. Recap of her and Nia Jack. That's like the sort of, that's the 2020 equivalent of like trying to book the mega powers. Just call them like that. It's the uneasy alliance. That's every team on the roster. Oh, I really want, like you say, the writing's been on the wall for a long time for, okay, who gets pinned whenever Jackson and Baszler need to lose a match, whether they're losing their titles or, or just losing a, a match to build to a, a pay-per-view match. It's always Baszler. They're protecting Nia Jackson and all this. And it can always get worse, of course, but I think her separating away from Nia Jax just be a relief because at least then maybe she'll go to SmackDown and start messing fools up. And maybe we'll get Bianca Belair versus Shayna Baszler. He's a long old yeah. shot, but I, I no still, I think, no I think, be, I think she'll beat Reginald. I think she'll still beat Reginald, and then Spooky Bollocks are going to occur because I don't. I think even WWE knows you can't just have a without. You know, when they had it with Sasha or whoever it was, that was through help from Nia Jax, if I'm not mistaken, or or something along those lines. You just can't have him. You can't have him pin Shayna Baszler, please. Whatever they called. I want it to happen for you so much. Um, Let's get Shayna Baszler winning a belt on SmackDown. I know we have to pour one out for the horsewomen in general, but let's get Marina Shafir back alongside her, slapping the belt around her waist as she used to, as one of Shayna's corner women in the glory days of NXT, coming out and playing that belt almost better than Kyle O'Reilly himself. just something, just something to sort of remind you of what it was you fell in love with so much in the first place. Yes. 
just to cover off any other uh, things that may have happened, what do you reckon about John Cena showing up tonight? <laughs> well, after the spoiler that dropped last night that he's actually going to be signing for AEW, I think it's pretty unlikely. Um, sorry, I got lost thinking that. I was trying to work out when I was a kid. I had a couple of those, um, you know, those wrestling buddies that you see. I had a, um, I had a Hogan one. And I had a, a WCW one. It was it was Sid. He's like a red singlet. So he pretended it was Mr. Perfect and did a perfect accent. I'm just wondering now if I think if I flash back, her arms are quite movable. I was thinking I could probably lock on a pretty decent crew food of clutch on them things. So at least like Shana might tap Lily before she rolls through like Asker and Charlotte and gets a three count. <laughs> I think it yeah, malleable enough. God, we have to review this tomorrow. Anyway, uh, let's know your thoughts ahead of Monday Night Raw tonight and all the stuff we inevitably missed because I've probably advertised about 10 things sod law because this is a bank holiday today in the UK. Uh, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, of course. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Watch you there. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related, please, for us to review instead of another god-awful Monday Night Raw segment. We will be back alongside Michael Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw tomorrow. But for now, this has been the Raw Preview. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.